Well, welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. My name is Christine Grimmett, and I am joined by Beth Demert, and she will be interviewing Gary Freeman of Major League Dad about his experiences in ministering to men through pregnancy help ministry work. It's going to be a great conversation, but let me start by saying our episode today is brought to you by the Heartbeat Academy. With over 400 courses to choose from and 8,000 students currently enrolled, there really is something for everyone. So if you're looking for online coursework on topics like leadership, client services, ultrasound training, um, or even other resources on men's programming, check out heartbeatservices.org, or you can email me at support at heartbeatinternational.org. We'd be happy to direct you to the courses that would best fit your center's needs. So with that, I want to turn it over to Beth, and we'll start our conversation off. Great. Thank you, Christine. Good morning, Gary. How fun to be on here with you. It's so fun to be on here with you as well. We're here. (laughs) Hey, um... I'm really looking forward to today's topic. It's such an important part of what we do in our pregnancy help community. I actually was just in a center over the weekend that has a really great fatherhood program going on. Met Bill, the guy who runs it there, and uh, was just really inspired by the work they're doing. So I'm really um, anxious and happy to be focused in on this topic. So I wanted to start with you. Um, I want to know who you are and your background and how you experienced fatherhood in your own life. You want to take us there? Oh, most definitely. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, So however that goes. But um, (laughs) but no, uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, So grew up there and it was actually, it was a big part of that because it was a really um, kind of booming time in athletics um, in that area. So um, as, as I'm mentioning that, uh, I was able to kind of excel in, in certain athletics, baseball, football, that kind of deal, and was able to get a scholarship to play football in uh, Greenville, North Carolina at East Carolina University. So um, even after that, I uh, was able to play, uh, get a degree. Uh, I always say that was a blessing because got a degree for free. So praise the Lord for that. Um, and was able to uh, chase after, you know, the NFL dream for a while, never landed on any rosters, but that experience was invaluable. Um, was able to play arena football for a couple of years. And then when I figured out I'm not about to make no real money, it's time to hang it up and uh, move back to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where I've been married uh, to my beautiful wife for 13 years. And we have two awesome daughters, uh, Soraya, who's 11. Just started middle school, so many prayers for that. Um, and then our four-year-old, uh, Jordan, who's just a boss. But to kind of go back really quickly, um, that sounds cool in a sense, um, but I grew up in a household where my dad was a pastor in the AME Zion Church for, man, about 40-plus years. Um, kind of bounced around different denominations, but we had a horrible relationship. Um, I kind of saw everything you don't want to see in terms of ministry, family, or anything. So by the time I got to college at East Carolina, I was like, hey, I made it. I got out of here. You can take your church and your Jesus, and you can go do something with it because I don't want any part of it. So I thank God that um, my senior year at East Carolina, July 2006, is when uh, I feel like I had my Saul to Paul moment of um, God just wrecking my life in a way in the best way possible. Um, and I had a super serious injury. Uh, my senior year um, was running a sprint 
and felt my quad just kind of rip. And it was a weird thing. And I still have a hole in my leg to this day from that injury. But um, it was something where, hey, guy, you kind of think God's trying to get your attention. Um, not knowing that, still trying to push through things, still was able to finish the season, play, and all that kind of stuff. But long story short, it was a lot that um, kind of went into that because I had a lot of bitterness um, towards my father. Um, had a lot of anxiousness uh, towards that. and. Actually, in my own marriage, this is when it started like manifesting. So I really started seeing in terms of how I was treating my wife. And then we had our first child really like having this idea of I don't know how to be a dad. Even though I had a dad, I felt like there were days where I wish I didn't have one. So um, that's a part of it. And I kind of get into that with down uh, in terms of my work in the pregnancy center and kind of how that helped. Um, but I feel like the Lord kind of built all that out through my experiences. Um, and growing up in the household, um, that wasn't, um, particularly the best, but is kind of framed in a way because my dad was a pastor. So everybody kind of thinks, you know, oh man. Um, and on the inside, I was dying, to be honest. It's like I knew church, I knew to smile, I knew what to say, I knew how to look, and I had no idea who Jesus was. I had no idea. You know, you know how to operate in faith, and yeah. So I just praise God that He still pursued me. <laughs> exactly, um, right? Isn't so, that really our God? Who He is? Yes. In yes. spite of circumstances, He loves us beyond right. and comes after us and won't let us go. And so I'm yeah. sorry that that was your childhood experience. I know oh, that's no. that's not an easy road being a pastor. Just, kid and yeah. being in, you know fishbowl situation where our eyes are on you and having some dysfunction in the home and mm-hmm. all of that that's not an easy road but here you are you know but yeah. god yeah. right oh yeah yeah i love that your background includes football too um yeah. that's sort of my background as well not that i played football of course ah, but okay okay i was going to say whatever you know hey. <laughs> no i had a really great dad actually who awesome was sort of on a similar journey to yours. Played uh, football at the University of Pittsburgh. Oh, nice. And was headed in the NFL direction and blew out his knee. Mm. And so that all kind of came to an end. But my dad coached football the entire time I was growing up. And that was part of the, kind of the center of our family because football practice was every night at five o'clock during the season. So my brothers played. I did the cheerleader thing and it was a real family event and I'm really grateful for a dad who fathered well. It's definitely shaped my life, enriched my life and really helped me to know who, who God is and how he loves us like a father. So so God pursued you in your senior year. You know, he has that way, like you said, of getting our attention, which (laughs) took you down some other paths, which I want to know all about. So yeah. Yeah, so um, a lot of those paths, not to not to be a negative Danny, um, but a lot of those paths kind of took me into like depression and um, alcoholism. Um, there was a lot that was there because I was searching and fishing just because my identity was always in football because football got me everywhere I felt like I needed to be in order to get away from what I wanted to get away from. Um, so it went down those roads, but, you know, God was just consistent. And like I said, always pursuing me and just the grace that I see over that time 
kind of hindsight 2020 looking back and like, man, gosh, God, love, he, he loves us in the way that he pursues us that way. So kind of going down that road, um, like I said, a big part of that was how it manifested in uh, my own marriage and just certain things I started seeing. Um, and I thank God for my wife. She's, uh, she's originally from like upstate New York. So, um, she's feisty and that's exactly what I needed. Cause she's like, I don't care how big you are, buddy. You need to know this here truth. So, um, so just a lot of conversations, honestly, in the first like two or three years, just like, Whoa, what is this? A lot of the anger, the bitterness and things of that nature. So I'm grateful um, for her speaking into me in, in a sense. And it was something where just starting to see this path of um, how a lot of the fathering that I felt like didn't happen, I still wasn't looking to my heavenly father for what he was providing me and in terms of life and, and how I could grow that way. So that was something that was major in terms of seeing how that just started manifesting itself in my own marriage. And then later on, when our first daughter came, just this emptiness I felt. Um, I remember when first daughter was, uh, and I can say this really quick, but when our first daughter was born, I remember the nurse giving her to me and I'm just holding her and she's just looking at me. And she's like, wow, this must have been the big dude that was talking to me all these nine months. But she just looked at me. And I remember just these attacks I felt like of the enemy of like, see, you don't know what to do with her. You know, you didn't have a good enough example. So you're just going to blow it. You, you don't know what to do. And I just remember thinking that and immediately just kind of, you know, how Jesus had to fight off, you know, the devil with scripture. So. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I just started thinking of just scriptures of like, no, because God will give me everything I need to be the father that this girl needs. So um, that's something where that was when the fight kind of started in terms of fighting for fatherhood and a holistic view of fatherhood. Even if you're coming from a viewpoint that like yours is is great and that's still needed. Um, but how do we step in to those who maybe don't or who haven't had favorable experiences and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of a nutshell of kind of where that took me. But, man, I'm just grateful because now where we're going is trying to just speak into men and speak into fatherhood from this healthy view, I would say. So, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, I, I can kind of picture you in the labor and delivery room with that <laughs> little girl handed to you and, you know, your size and, and – <laughs> The, the moment that that was oh, and how frightening yeah. right as a dad oh my gosh yes i'm no. so responsible now for this person this human that and was... what does you know but god is faithful gary and i know you i mean you just said this the scripture that comes flooding into your mind where god can just affirm look yeah. you can do this right i've given you everything you need to be able to be a good father to this child and yeah i'm sure you're a great dad it's you know, there's sure that's the case, you know, and even with my own dad, again, you know, I had a great father, but um, no one's perfect. We're all human. Mm -hmm. My dad definitely, you know, made mistakes along the way. But I think, you know, in spite of our own experiences, we still have that groundedness of our heavenly father that we can uh, mm -hmm. we can call on, we can draw on. And uh, that's such a message that needs to be communicated to new yeah. dads and dads who come from 
you know, my background, your background, and every background in between. So yes. help yes. me understand a little bit how that started to manifest in actual yeah. pregnancy center world and how you got connected and what that looked like. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the time, in, uh, we were living, like I said, in Raleigh, North Carolina. So the church we were attending at the time um, had this service for, because I had never heard of a pregnancy center and never heard of any of this. So um, he started mentioning just abortion statistics and things like that. And for the area where we were located, um, it was a heavily abortion area, right? So it was a lot of um, just talks around this. So our pastor, um, and I, I praise God that he, you know, brought it up and was willing to talk, you know, and he said there was a local pregnancy center coming in and we we're going to host, uh, host a service to raise funds for them. So my wife and I were like, okay, cool. We'll come back and kind of see what this is all about. Um, and then just, it was really funny because it was just like, what am I doing here? Like when I started hearing certain things about, you know, just pregnancy centers and things that he was saying about pregnancy centers. But then when I got up and heard the executive director at the time talking about the statistics and what they see on a daily basis with these young ladies that are coming in and something just sparked in my heart. And I didn't really know what. Um, but all I know is we're going to start giving to this and this is amazing. So going down the road, there was a, I was working in youth ministry. There was a young lady who's, uh, uh, her son that I was actually uh, mentoring and she volunteered at that center. And she said, Hey, they have this fatherhood program. I think you'll be great at. And I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, we're just coming off of this thing and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. So I ended up meeting with executive director and then we had an interview where she asked me questions. She had no idea. And I asked her questions and she didn't have any idea. So it was kind of like, all right. Um, but ended on coming on uh, part time uh, to the center to try to serve the men. And it was just this process of the first six months. Uh, it was actually through a grant through National Fatherhood Initiative. And I was coming on. It was the last year of that grant. So when I was coming on, it was just kind of like. What am I doing? How what, what what do I look for? How do I do this? And um, I remember banging my head on a brick wall for about six months trying to figure out how do we get guys in? How do we serve them? What do we do when they're here? What does paperwork look like? All these different types of things and trying to get that together. And I remember one day um, just sitting in the office and I was like, Lord, I just I, I'm, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm bloodied over here. So. Um, what happened was I was reading through Genesis, Genesis 3-6, and I call it the Genesis 3-6 syndrome. So that's when, you know, the serpent or the beast is talking to Eve. And then I remember just keying in on and, you know, Adam was there the entire time and just kind of keying in on that verse. And I remember like, wow, it was like he's watching this happen. And it's like, whoa. So that just kind of just blew my mind in terms of going after men who are just idly sitting by watching, you know, this happen in the pro-life world. And I'm just like, OK, so I started getting active about how we actually, as the pregnancy center, went out and actually served and tried to make known that, hey, we serve guys over here, too. Um, and what that looked like. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into the pregnancy center world. So I really, 
I thank God for it because I was one of the ones that's like, I didn't really have any idea about it. But now here I am almost 10 years in and here we are, <laughs> you know, just kind of still trying to serve in this way. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I love that you mentioned the whole, you know, Genesis story and Adam sort of idly sitting by because I think that's what we experience pretty frequently, right? Yeah. When it comes yeah. to men in abortion, you know, unfortunately, or men in unplanned pregnancy. True. And, you know, there's this mindset that out there, well, I'll support you in any way you want me to, right? But it's all yeah. on you. It's all yeah. you. And, you know, recently we were looking at some statistics that uh, one of our affiliates asked for. And I came across um, in that research a statistic that said, I think it was almost like as high as 80 some percent of women mm. said if the man was more involved in the situation, their decision about abortion would be would have been different. Wow. Right? And we hear yeah. that uh, mm. all the time in the pregnancy centers. Right. If I had no support and, you know, that relationship is so such a high value and they want it to continue and so they think you know if he's not in favor of this pregnancy then i'm going to lose the relationship so there's yeah. so many factors that True. go in but really calling men uh, to a better place in that whole um situation is such an important vital part of yeah. the process so tell me how you were doing that once you figured out it's what you needed to do how'd you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were blessed where our pregnancy center, it was strategic where there were several college campuses, probably about maybe 15 minutes in either direction, north, south, east, west kind of thing. So um, I started going to the all mill dorms and just asking the residential advisors and like, hey, can I have about five, 10 minutes to present to your guys because they had to do presentations. And I found this out through a client who was a college student. And he said, hey, our RA does these things. This sounds like something. Could you come in and talk? And I was like, all right, here we go. So th that was just one door where it just started opening up these opportunities. And I feel like kind of understanding just in the, the basis of pregnancy centers and they haven't necessarily been set up to receive men in a sense. But at the same time, it doesn't stop men from being a part of it if they come in and are able to actually be a part of the discussion. And one of the biggest things was for me to get out and try to, there's this proactive nature where you want men to understand their influence. Like, you know, if a guy doesn't get that and then he thinks he just hears step up, um, there's nobody that's really had a chance to step in yet. So a big thing was for me is I started kind of coining this, I want to step in so that they know how to step up. So hopefully they can make better decisions. <laughs> So that they're not clients of mine, but at the same time, they're still, you know, there's there's sin in the world. So there's still going to be an aspect of I want to be able to serve you once you come in. But just making that known within the community, within different health organizations that we we're already affiliated with. That's pretty much what I started doing. So just kind of making myself known like, hey, I would be at grocery stores and they'd be like, hey, you're the fatherhood guy over there at that center downtown. OK, cool. Yeah. So I just took it for what it was. And um, if there was an awareness about that, man, it just created all kinds of opportunities to just invest in the the mindset and in the personal story of those guys and why he even thinks that he's not, you know, um, able to care for uh, a baby or whatever. Like 
That is, and I agree with you. The the number one guy is the apathetic guy, where it's just like, hey, all hands are off at this point, and it's like, you do what you want to do. I'm going to support you. And they think they're really in the right in saying that. And it's like, no, nah, bro, um, she needs you more than ever right now. So, you know, of course, there's a lot of nuanced things in there with relationships and how things are going and how they got all that kind of stuff. But the, the core message of you're one of the main influences in her ear as you talk through this decision of life and understanding that from a standpoint of like my story. I take that as like, man, there were days where I was like, I don't even know if I wanted a father because he just treated us so bad. But that's not a that's not an influence that obviously I want to set for my children. But um, if there were guys that speaking to me and to to help me see just how much God loves me, how much he cares for me. So um, the, the chaplain of the football team who did that for three years and got on my last nerve. And I love that man to this day, Chuck Young. And um, I praise God for that because that's what I needed. So that's what I want to be. I want to be that fly buzzing around your ear to let you know that you do have. And we can set you up if you need certain things and all that kind of stuff. So that was really my approach in terms of how that went forward after that. Yeah. So uh, from a practical sense, you know, as awareness was growing and, you know, yeah. you had more opportunity to interact and relationally um, engage with these guys. Was it the kind of thing at the center where they were coming with their mm-hmm. girlfriend or their wife yeah. even, or were they coming separately? Tell me what did, what did that look like for you guys as you got started? Yeah. So the, the main thing would, they would probably come with. Um, and when they came with, um, we tried to, at that point, they became a client. If I met with them, they filled out paperwork, they became a client. So now he he has an advocate. I wanted him to leave knowing that, hey, you have somebody in your corner just as, you know, your girlfriend or wife has somebody in her corner. And that advocacy is like really key. So at that point, if it turned into I met with him, you know, doing like 24-7 dad or some type of curriculum or just talking confidentially. How you doing? How you feeling? How are you going about this? Um, that's kind of what it grew into. But the initial, though, would be if they came in together and we tried to encourage that. Um, from the from the job. Yeah, yeah. And so those individual conversations, he becomes a client. Did you have it grow into a situation where you're doing, you know, classes together? Or what were you or was it always yeah. an individual thing? Yeah, so it was it was mostly individual. Um it was a case by case scenario in terms of if I, if I even felt they were ready to move into certain situations of if I could start a class. Um, so that honestly was a, a tough part. And I know a lot of centers I still talk to, that's still a tough part of trying to transition into that. Um, but I feel like that time one-on-one kind of helped build trust because that was the main thing is like, I hear you, you're talking good, but can I trust you? And moving that into a space of sometimes it took to the baby was born and now they're like, Hey, I don't know how to check a temperature. I don't know how to change a diaper. So, okay, cool. I'm still here. So now we can do the class. And that's kind of where I found the classes were more um, more of an advantage for those guys that I have been working with, though, for the duration of the pregnancy. So that trust was a big deal in terms of trying to get that. And usually didn't 
the class of group sessions didn't happen until afterwards. So I was like, I'll take what I can get, you know. So Right. right. Yeah. Kind of let the client lead there. So yeah. when you were finding success, you were seeing guys come back for appointments and stay yeah. connected. Yeah. When you built that trust relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was huge because it was it was on a level, like I said, of, yes, we have this life, but we need to dig into your life because you walked into this, you know, these doors with a story yourself. So how can we navigate your story? How can we see what your story has meant to you and how you even view fatherhood right now? And a lot of times when we did that and stopped and took a breath, a lot of those guys would be like, whoa, I had no idea I still had this bitterness. So I didn't know I even thought that way. And now that's affecting how you're thinking about this, right? This situation right now. And we need to triage that because this, we want to save this life. So, so yeah, that's kind of how that went. And I just, the Lord, the Lord was really using those times to dive into their story, to get them to see the story they want for their child. Right. Um, right. So I'm sure all of that really has brought you to the place we are today with major league dad and yeah. what you're doing currently. So Help us understand more about that. Tell me how it relates to pregnancy centers, maybe how centers can connect and really be supported by Major League Dad and the things they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So um, like I said, over years, just kind of doing the work and seeing God's hand in it and growing, um, I just really started wanting to see this in more and more centers, like serving them in, actually seeing results of you know, men going into the ultrasound, men actually having to advocate when they come out of the ultrasound. Um, I used to always joke with our nurses at the pregnancy center that I call the ultrasound room the dream room for the guys because we're visual. So the moment they see, you know, that little nugget and they're just like, oh, there's it's like for some reason it's like, oh, everything just kind of opens up. So I want to be there. I want to be able to support you in that. How do you feel about that? How does how does that make you feel? So. A big part of that is a twofold of Major League Dad. Um, so I've been doing more speaking and training um, in terms of just a continued awareness about, you know, serving men, um, how I've been able, you know, God is blessed where I've been able to see this work and try to put trainings together. Um, so I'm making that accessible. Um, I, it's a Major League Dad is a nonprofit. So the aim is to just get this out. I just want to see this done. Um, but so that's where been doing uh, kind of going into banquet speaking and things of that nature from an awareness standpoint. But then after that, being able to share like, hey, this is what Major League Dad is doing in the Southeast Raleigh area in terms of how we serve pregnancy centers still, um, how I am able to partner with the pregnancy centers as Major League Dad, be able to actually still do community work as well. So um, it's almost like this two-parter. So speaking and training and however I can help in that regard. And then that moves into, here's the model of what we're using with Major League Dad to be in local school systems, to be in with other, partner with other local organizations in the community, the things we're using through National Fatherhood Initiative. So it's just two, two-fold thing where it's, I would just love to be able to share and in any way possible um, that, how that, what that looks like. Awesome. So I'm hearing you say you provide training for centers and how to get a program started, what it needs to consist of. And then you're also modeling and what you're doing in your own community and giving them ideas on how they can replicate what you're doing there in Raleigh. Yes. I'm assuming you have a good website where people can connect with you. You want to give us your website? Yes. It's uh, uh, majorleaddad.org. 
and um, it's all one big long word, <laughs> um, majorleadad.org. But yeah, you can just go to the website. You can um, you can e- send me an email through there. I have my contact information up there. Um, there's a donate button if you want to help in that regard in terms of what we're doing locally. Um, I always have to throw that out there. My wife makes me. Of course. It's like uh, <laughs> I feel a little sticky and icky doing that, but. It, it's you know it's a work that we're proud of and, and what and what God is doing so so we're excited so yeah majorleadad.org yeah. that's great you know again when I uh, found out about you and what you were doing I just thought this is a resource that pregnancy centers need to have and they really need someone to help guide them along and so we're really glad to have you in our mm-hmm. community our help community your experience personally and with pregnancy centers hey before I let you go and I don't want to put you on the spot but uh-oh. If somebody were to say to me, Beth, what is the, you know, the one client, the one situation, the one story that you will always remember from your mm. work as an executive director in a pregnancy center? I could tell it to you. It comes, the same thing comes to mind. Do you want to share a story with us before oh, we man. go? Yes. Oh, gosh. This guy sticks with me to this day. I love him. I love him so much. It was probably my second year and I wasn't in the office yet. And I remember our client service director called me and said, hey, there's this guy. He's here with his girlfriend. He's super demonstrative. He's telling everybody where they can go and how they can get there and not to touch his girlfriend. And she's in the corner crying. So, um, you know, I'm a big guy. So, Sarah, she was like, hey, how fast can you get here? <laughs> um, so I was coming off of speaking at an event. So I was coming back and I ended up meeting with him. Um, and it was something interesting about it because it, it was like a three-hour meeting. But the beginning of it was him being that same demonstrative guy, um, a lot of uh, four-letter wordings and things of that nature. But um, really, the story buckled down to his story. And his dad had been in prison all his life um, and actually died in prison. And he never had a relationship with him. His mom um, was an addict drug addict and his sophomore year in high school she actually left him and just never came back so to this day i don't think he still has seen his mom and he doesn't know where she is um and so he ended up staying with a friend uh to finish out his high school career um and be able to still work his way into a scholarship to go to uh, unc here in chapel hill north carolina and he worked his way into this nice corporate job. Like when he, when I came, he was in a full suit because he was coming from work and, you know, he's doing great things. And he was really, I did this. This is all me. Like I had to work hard. And when he was telling me all the story, he just starts tearing up. And I could tell because he had never dealt with actually telling the story and how he felt. So I just dug into that. Like, and then at, by the end of that, it was like, this is how God has graced you over your life and working in that regard. And he's just a ball of tears at this point. And then he ends up, it was like, I have no idea how I even got here. And it was just like this out of body experience for him almost. So that guy, he ended up being one of my favorite guys. (laughs) He apologized to everybody. And he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. But it was just this hurt that he had never unleashed and never like dug into. And they ended up having the baby. He brought the baby back. Uh, for everybody to see, which is always a huge part of it. And he's just doing great still with the young lady. Um, hopefully they're married now. I'm just being honest. Um, that was something that we were working towards then. 
Um, but that that guy was a picture of why we do what we do and why I love serving through Major League Dad in terms of just digging in, digging into his story and seeing how that story affected the life of his child and um, moving forward with that. So that would be my story. So. That's awesome, Gary. I knew it was in there and I just wanted to hear it. I wanted our listeners to hear it. So oh, man, thanks yeah. for sharing. Thanks for what you do. It's so incredibly vitally important. And uh, majorlikedad.org. Yeah. Uh, you can drop in onto the website and be in touch with Gary. Thanks for being with us here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you both, Beth and Gary. Um, I have to say, I really enjoy hearing stories of how men get involved in pregnancy help work because I don't think there are many men that ever think they will get involved with pregnancy help work. But here you are, you have this great ministry and I appreciate you sharing that story with our listeners. Um, Thank you to our listeners for stopping in and listening to this episode today. Again, this episode is brought to you by Heartbeat Academy. If you are ready to join the over 8,000 students currently in our academy, go to heartbeatservices.org and you can shop around there or you can contact the Heartbeat office. We'd be glad to point you in the right direction and um, get you started on some training opportunities. So thanks again. And I hope everyone has a very blessed rest of your day.